My name is Brandon. My wife and I, Judy, serve as the campus pastors at our Wilkett campus, and we're so honored to be able to do it. But we're glad to be here in New Milford, and we just want to say welcome to all of you. Happy Independence Weekend as well as we celebrate our independence. But how many of you know it's better to experience liberation in your spirit than it is physically? When God changes you. So we're so thankful for that. But I just want to welcome all of our online audience as well. Those that are watching and the metaverse. And I cannot forget our Wilkett campus. Those of you that are joining us. So good to see all of you. Make sure to give a shout back to so that I know that you're there. So good to have you with us. Well, so glad to be here to minister God's word. Before I get into our text, I want to give honor to our lead pastors, pastors Frank and Lisa Santoro. I thought I saw him around here somewhere, uh, but he's here this morning. But can we give it up for our pastors and all that they do for this house? So thankful. Well, I want to dive right into the word. Is that okay with you guys? Can I ask you a question? Did all of you come with expectation this morning? Did you come expecting to receive something from the Lord? Because as I was preparing this message, I couldn't help but think you know, look like that the Lord wanted to stir up somebody's faith as we came to church today. So let's go on and dive into the word. But before we do that, let's make our Bible confession. If you're in need of a paper Bible, just raise your hand and our amazing ushers will assist you with that. You guys ready? You guys ready? This is my Bible. It is my primary source of spiritual nourishment. I will read it every day and become all that God wants me to be. My mind will be renewed. My life will be transformed. I will become fully surrendered to Christ. Therefore, I will hide his word in my heart so I can be all that God has destined me to be. Wow, you guys sound wonderful. If I didn't know any better, you've done this before. (laughs) I want you to turn with me to the book of Genesis, the book of Genesis. And actually, I know I have you standing, so just bear with me for just a second. But we're going to go to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. But then I also want to look at two other scriptures. And so you may have to do some Bible flipping here if you have a paper Bible. If you're on uh, a tablet or an iPhone or some sort of phone, you're cheating. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but let's go to Genesis chapter 22. And then we're also going to look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 17. And then finally, at the very end, we're going to look at Romans chapter 4 beginning with verse 19. So Genesis chapter 22, Hebrews chapter 11, beginning at verse 17, and then Romans chapter 4, beginning at verse 19. One thing I love about the Word of God, if you're ever reading something and you're stuck and you need more understanding, the Bible itself will interpret itself. Sometimes you can read in one place And you're left wondering, I wish I could have a little bit more insight into what this person was thinking when they were going through something. But I've discovered through studying the word of God, if you just look, the answer is there. The revelation is there. And I will prove it to you. If you look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 1, you guys have it? Are you ready? It says, now it came to pass... 
after these things that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. Then he said, take now your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac, his son. And he split the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, somebody say the third day. On what day did Jesus rise? Come on. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. The new King James says that, but in the King James, it says something else. All right. (laughs) But it says the lad and I will go yonder and worship. And this is it. And we will come back to you. We will come back to you. You're left wondering, how did he arrive at this conclusion? Look at Hebrews. Let's turn over to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 17. By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, see, the same scripture, same thought. By, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, he offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac, your seed shall be called. Concluding, watch this, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. Are you with me? Last scripture, Romans chapter four. You guys still with me? Romans chapter four. Everybody online, you still with me? Come on. Romans chapter four, beginning with verse 19. And not being weak in the faith, and not being weak in the faith, He did not consider his own body, comma, already dead since he was about a hundred years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not what? Waver at the promise of God. Come on, would y'all just receive this today? He did not waver at the promise of God. No matter what was in front of him, no matter what the situation looked like, he did not waver at what God had said. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in the faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced. Are you fully convinced today that God is good, that he has you in the palm of his hands? Did I come to encourage somebody today? Yes. Are you fully convinced that he, that what he had promised, he was able to perform? And therefore, 
it was accounted to him for righteousness. Verse 23. Now, it was not written for his sake alone. The Bible is not just some old book that we read that's not relevant for today. Watch this. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus, our Lord, from the dead, who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. I want to speak to you for a few moments from the subject matter. You have me at belief. You have me at belief. I'm not talking about myself. When I was studying this, God wanted to minister that to you. You have the Lord at belief. Everything that comes with him. His righteousness, his justification, his healing, his provision. When you believe, it is yours. It is yours. And are you fully convinced and convicted about this? Because we are living in a day and age, if you are not fully convinced, the enemy will try to sift you out. Are you convinced? Let us pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word. I feel your presence in this place. I pray that you would minister to every single person in this room and all those that are watching online and at our campuses and even in the metaverse, God. Minister to our soul today. Use me as your servant. And may we walk out of this place changed. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. Thank you so much for standing. As I was seeking the Lord concerning this message, it became apparent to me That our belief in God is what is being attacked in this day and age. Our belief in God. And when I say our belief in God, what I am in essence saying is, do we believe what he said? Do we embrace his promises as truth? There are so many precious promises that are contained within the word of God, but what good does it do us if we don't embrace those promises and walk in those promises knowing that no matter what we see in the physical realm, God, it is done because your word says it. And I want to look at the life of somebody that experienced Something similar to what we are experiencing today. Make no mistake about it, friends. When Abraham was chosen by God, there was nothing in him that God decided to choose him or that made God decide to choose him. Let's establish that for a second. Let me say that again. There was nothing in Abraham that caused him to be chosen over other people except the grace of God. So I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that Abraham is in a class all by himself and I am excluded from receiving what Abraham received because all of us are able to tap into the promises of God because of God's grace. And for those of you that may be unfamiliar with the term grace, it is God's unmerited favor. It is something that you cannot earn. It is not something that you could buy. It is not something that you could coerce God into giving to you. It is something that God lavishly pours out on you. You know, one of the things that I've discovered in my marriage 
and even in uh, counseling other couples, and I'm still in a process of learning. I have not arrived, all right? But one of the things that I've discovered is the love that I am called to have for my wife is the same love that God has for me. And there is a word, there is a term that I cannot get away from that is powerful. Did you know that we are supposed to exhibit a gift type of love? In other words, it is a gift type of love to where it isn't predicated on what you can do for me, but it is a love that I lavish on you regardless of how you respond. Am I speaking to somebody? This is why the Bible says in Romans 5, 8, that he died for us while we were yet still sinners. Thank God that his motivation in going to the cross was not based on what we were doing for him, but it was based on what he wanted to do for us. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and has now been seated at the right hand of God. It had nothing to do with you in the sense that it was predicated on your works It was God's grace. It was God's mercy. It was God's love for us. Are you with me? So when we look at this issue of belief, this is what the enemy is seeking to attack. Do you really believe in God's promises? I don't have time and I know that our pastor is going, Pastor Frank is going to minister on this in this upcoming series. But suffice it to say, do you believe the word of God when it says in Psalm 139 that God crafted you when you were in your mother's womb? Do you believe this? Do you believe that your life is not an accident, that you are not just some accident or something that happened between two people, but that your life has purpose and that when you were in utter seclusion, as Psalm 139 tells us, God was the one that was crafting you. Do you believe this? Do you believe in accordance with Ephesians 1, that before the foundation of the world, that God knew you, that life doesn't begin at conception, but it begins when God thought about you, which, by the way, was at the very beginning, before creation. Do you believe this? Now, I'm not saying, even as I present those scriptures to you, that that's the end to all be all. But can we make the word of God our foundation when we are wrestling with some of these tough issues? May I submit to you as a pastor, we are not here to judge you and where your stance is. Come on. We are not here to judge you and where you are in your understanding of what God wants you to do here on this earth. We want you to know that this is a place where you can come and we can reason together. But may I say this, as we are reasoning together and working through some of these issues and some of these arguments that are coming up, can we agree that the word of God is going to be our foundation and not our opinions? The Lord loves us and he wants us to come to a place of understanding. Do you know that the word of God says that God is not the author of confusion? If there is confusion, God is not in it. God is not the author of confusion. He is the God of peace. In fact, in uh, James chapter 1, he says something powerful that all of us have to remember in this day and age. And it's this. Every good, or, or actually it starts off, be not deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of heaven. With whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Our God is good. 
We have to establish that today. We have to establish that in this season of your life, no matter what comes my way, I have determined as Pastor Frank has ministered and the mental health goals, I have pre-decided that God is good. So even as something bad may come my way, I still know that God is good and I know that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. So I'm not going to be deceived into thinking that this bad thing came into my life because of God, but even though it came into my life, God can use it for his good. Are you with me? That was just the introduction. (laughs) What really intrigued me about Abraham was a verse that was found in Genesis 15:6. And this verse says, "He believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him, God accounted it to him for righteousness." I couldn't escape this verse. Abraham believed what the Lord had to say, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Can we dig into this for just a second? The word believe in this verse comes from the Hebrew word aman, and it's translated to mean establish or confirm. To establish or confirm. The English word amen, which is used to express approval, comes from the same root word. Are you guys with me? Belief is one of the most important ideas And all of the Bible. I recognize that we may have some in here. Maybe you're new to Christianity. Maybe this is your first time here and we're glad to have you here. But belief is a central theme to the word of God. But may I submit something to you. It does not have to be blind belief. It does not have to be blind belief. It's not like you're like jumping off the cliff with no evidence. There is evidence, but will you seek to find that evidence? Some of the evidences that we have in the word of God is in the book of Romans chapter one. The apostle Paul says that his invisible attributes are clearly seen through the things that he has made. Even his eternal power and Godhead so that the atheist and the agnostic are without excuse. In other words, I have come to the conclusion it takes more faith to not believe in God than it does to believe in God. You have to walk outside and literally deny everything that you see. You know what? There is no one that created that moon. There is no one that created that sun. No one that created that stars. And by the way, when I had my first child, that solidified it for me. To see this little peanut grow into a child and to see those visits where I saw the sonogram, it solidified it for me that there is a God. Are you guys with me? But there are certain seasons of our lives where God demonstrates his character to us. Some of us in this room have discovered God as a deliverer because he has delivered us out of situations. Some of us have experienced God as our healer because he has healed us from various diseases and situations. Some of us have been broken in the heart and he has healed us in that particular area. So as we live, God is going to reveal more and more of his nature, more and more of his character. Are you guys with me? But his invisible attributes are clearly seen through the things that he has made. But here is the problem. I believe that there is a God, 
But I don't want to submit myself to him as Lord. This is the prevailing argument of our day. I believe in the Lord until he asked me to do this. I'm willing to do all of these things over here, but when it comes to him asking me to do this, I'm not willing to do that. But the truth of the matter is you can't pick and choose what you're going to choose and believe. You take the word of God for what it is or deny it altogether. There is no middle ground. And the reason why there is no middle ground is because why we can't straddle the fence because you are occupying a position where God is. God is the bridge between death and life. So you can't move him out of his place to be where he belongs. He is the one that causes us to cross over. Are you guys with me? Morality is also under attack. Morality. Who defines what's morally right and what's morally wrong? If I'm the one that's defining what's morally right and what's morally wrong, and if I can just be bold and frank with you, what's the point of just being married to one woman? Why not be married to multiple wives? Why not, you know, have multiple women and not be faithful or curve some of the desires that I have? Why not if I define what's morally right and what's morally wrong? But when God defines what's morally right and what's morally wrong, there is a standard that all of us have to come under. And by the way, we should be thankful for those standards. The Bible says that God's commandments are not burdensome. His commandments are keeping this world in check. Did you know that as a believer that you are restraining evil from having full reign in, in, in this earth? The Bible says in Thessalonians that when Jesus raptures the church, which by the way is the next major event on God's calendar, where Jesus comes back for believers in Christ and they are raptured out of here, they are caught up to meet the Lord in the air. What do you think this world will be like when believers are gone? Not to say that God can't still work because there will be children that will be born during that time who never had an opportunity to receive the Lord. So don't misunderstand me, but I want you to understand the power that is at your disposal and your belief in God is paramount in these times. Do you believe? The other important word in this term, when it says that Abraham believed God and it was accounted unto him for righteousness is this term accounted. The Hebrew word is cheshab, which is a complex verb that has two distinct ranges of meaning. The first is associated with calculations of some sort, and the second includes the element of planning. In conclusion, watch this, Abram's faith was accounted to him for righteousness That is, it was computed or tallied as a credit or deposit in Abraham's favor. Let me say that again. It was computed or tallied as a credit or deposit in Abraham's favor. He believed what God had to say, and because of his belief, it was accounted unto him. It was a tally or it was a a blessing in his favor. Watch this. Furthermore, when the scriptures in the Old Testament or New Testament state that a person believed in the Lord, watch this, it signals that the person has made a decision to treat God's word as certain and has made a commitment to do what God wants. 
That's a word for this hour. When you say that you believe in God, you are in essence making a decision to treat God's word as certain and you are making a commitment to do what God's word says. In other words, can you truly claim to believe in God but not have fidelity with his word? Not see his word as important? Are you with me? The reason why we have God at belief is because at that moment we become a child of God and receive all of the rights and the privileges that come with being a born again child of God. You know what? Let me share this with you. And I've shared this before with our campus there and woke at the last time I spoke, but I never understood something in the word of God. I never understood why the Bible talks about us being adopted in Romans chapter eight. It says that we were adopted into his family. Have y'all read that before? That we were adopted into his family. The reason why this was mind-boggling to me is because when I read Psalm 139, and we established this earlier, was it not God who created us when we were in our mother's womb? Was he not the creator of us? So why is it that he's needing to adopt us? But there is a principle that he's trying to teach us. In the Roman culture, when a son... A natural born son, let's say that a father had a natural born son and there was some sort of trait within that son that the father did not like, he could actually disown that son. But if he adopted a son, not only did that adopted son receive all of the full rights and privileges of a natural born son, but no matter what that adopted son did, he could never disown him. Let me take it a little further. Now I understand why Jesus said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he was forsaken so I could be accepted. So even though Jesus was rejected, we are accepted. And that's why I can say confidently that he will never leave me nor forsake me, that he is my very present help in the time of trouble, that he has me in the palm of his hands, that this work that he has begun in you and I, he is faithful to finish it. Because he was rejected so I could be accepted. Come on, somebody. That's a word right there. Before we dig into the life of Abraham, it's worth mentioning that belief takes time to develop. I'm not naive into thinking that Abraham came to the place where he was in Genesis chapter 22 in just one day. And I want to unpack for you how this development of faith in Abraham Like how it came to pass, how it happened. How could this man get to a place where he was willing to sacrifice his son, but then also at the same time recognizing, even if I have to sacrifice my son, I know that God is able to raise him back up again. How did he acquire such faith? It's good news, guys. It didn't happen overnight. There's good news for us. The first point that I want to make is this. The journey of faith we willingly undergo will yield a powerful belief in God. Let me say that again. The journey of faith we willingly undergo will yield a powerful belief in God. Some of you right now just received a negative diagnosis from the doctor. This is your journey of faith. And God is not going to leave you. 
May I submit, somebody watching online, I don't know who this is for, but somebody just received notice that they, that, that, uh, their spouse is wanting to divorce them. This is your journey of faith. Some of you just received word that there are layoffs happening within your company and you're starting to freak out a little bit because you know that things are already tight, that the gas prices are out of control, the oil prices are out of control. But you know what? I was telling somebody earlier here at prayer, I told them, I said, David said in Psalm 37, I once was young and now I'm old and I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging for bread. Now, I can understand if you're freaking out if that's where your hope was. I could understand if you saw your job as your source, if you saw the stock market as your source. But baby, can I tell you this morning that that is not your source. God is your source. So whether this job comes and goes, no matter what the oil prices go to, no matter what the gas prices are, God, you are my source. And I'm not up here telling you this because I haven't had to go through this as well. I've had to have my own journeys of faith and trusting and believing God. But I know this and I know that I know that I know God, you have kept me for 41 years. I know that you can keep me for many more. And the same goes for you as well. So don't fret because of what you see. Don't fret because of what's going on in the job. Don't fret because of the negative diagnosis that you received at the doctor. I appreciate it, but now I know what to lay before the Lord. And I believe that he's able. The faith of Abraham was developed through obedience. Through obedience. Through obedience. And being a witness to the faithfulness in God. In Genesis, I don't know if you've ever read these chapters, but it's worth your time. In chapters 12 through 22, we discover the journey of faith Abraham willingly submitted to. Let us go through this really quick, just as a recap. Some of you may not have read this before. In chapter 12, God promised to make Abram into a great nation. And he also told him that he was going to bless others through him. Guess what Abram did? God commands him to leave his country and be a blessing. And response, Abram leaves Ur and goes to Canaan. So he receives these promises from God in Genesis 12. And he agrees with what God has said. And he moves out. And he goes, taking his whole family with him. Have you ever had a season in your life where God told you to move on something and you moved with faith, not knowing what the outcome would be, but you moved in faith. One of the greatest moves that we had to make was moving from Texas all the way here to Connecticut. And this was something that we did five years ago. I grew up in Texas. I was born and raised there. Thank God for the triple digit heat. That's what I'm used to. Right. Um, but when we moved, it was a step of faith. And not only was I moving myself, but I had my wife and my three children to consider. But I had a word from the Lord and I had an unction that it was time for me to go. And we put our house on the market and it sold in one day. And the Lord worked out so many things concerning that situation. Yes, there were a few setbacks and I feel that it was God testing us. But even in that moment, God was faithful. And God is no respecter of persons. So he told him to go and he went. In chapter 13, God promised to multiply Abraham's descendants and give Canaan to them forever. In response, Abram worships God by building an altar. 
So right then and there, we have him being willing to go when God told him to go. And here we have God speaking something to him and he begins to worship God. I believe if God, if God, not saying that this is the case, if God had a weakness, it would be for worship. What do I mean by this? When we worship the Lord, there is something that God will do, man. Things will change in a moment when you worship the Lord. How do I know this? I always think about Matthew 15. This is not part of my message, but there was a woman, you guys might remember, her daughter was grievously vexed with the devil. And the Bible says that she sought Jesus and he, and she came into his presence and she inquired of him. And the Bible says that he answered her, not a word, didn't say anything to her. Now, this is not Jesus' character. He's not a rude person, but there is something that he was wanting to pull out of her. But the Bible says that he answered her not a word, but the Bible says that she began to worship him. She began to just pour out her soul unto him and to praise him and to lift him up. And then he said to her, it is not meek to give the children's, the Jews bread to the dogs because she was a Gentile. She wasn't a Jew. And and Jesus said, it's not meek to give the children's bread to the dogs, but she had the audacity and the faith to say, I may be a dog, but even the dogs can eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And the Bible says that Jesus granted her request. Why? Because of her faith. He granted her request because of her faith and Jesus was sent to the Jews And there was a period of time where he was sent to minister to them first, and then he would go to the Gentiles. But Jesus was willing to go out of order because of her faith and persistence. And because she worshiped him. Are you with me? So he began to worship. In chapter 14, I love this one. He meets a man by the name of Melchizedek. And the Bible says that Melchizedek did not have a genealogy. Normally when somebody was introduced in the Bible, they would have some sort of family line so that it could help you discover where they came from, who their family was. But this Melchizedek came out of nowhere. This guy had no beginning of days, nor end of days, but he was made like the son of man. And Abraham met this priest of the most high God after he returned from a huge battle where he rescued his nephew Lot. And the Bible says that he met this Melchizedek and this Melchizedek blessed him. And guess what Abram did in response? He paid a tithe unto this man. Wait a minute. Time out. Tithing was not even introduced until the book of Exodus and Moses until we come to the law. But the Bible says that Abram paid a tithe unto this man even before the whole process or concept of tithing was introduced in the law. This is why when people come to me and say, Pastor Brandon, why are we called to tithe even though we are no longer under the law but under grace? Tithing was introduced before the law. And this was something that he did of his own volition. So when I give my tithes, I'm not giving to a particular church. I'm not giving to a particular man. My tithes are going unto the Lord, and that's who I give to. And it's helped me ever since. Even before I was a pastor, this was something I had to learn to be faithful in. And God takes care of his kids when we are faithful to him. But he paid a tithe unto this man. 
So here, we've already established God gave him a promise. He told him to go to a place that he would show him, not knowing where he was going, and he went. Secondly, he decided to worship the Lord as a heart of gratitude and thanksgiving and as a heart of faith. And now he gives up his resources unto the Lord. He tithes. Doesn't stop there. In chapter 15, God makes a formal covenant by passing through sacrificial animals. He promises to multiply Abram's descendants and give them the land. God commands him to not be afraid. In response, Abram believes. Now, I know as I'm sharing this with you, you may have forgotten, but Abram doesn't have any children, y'all. He doesn't have any children. He is uh, well advanced in age. He is well beyond the age of wanting to bear children. And God is coming and telling him, through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. I can only help but think he's saying to himself, bro, I don't even have a child. How is this going to come to pass? I don't even have any kids. And you're saying that this promise is going to be fulfilled through Sarah and I? I have no children. But see, God calls those things that be not as though they are. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter what your race is. It doesn't matter what your credentials are. It doesn't matter what neighborhood you grew up in. When the favor of God gets on your life, none of that makes sense to the world. Come on, somebody. In chapter 17, and I'm skipping chapter um, 16, but in chapter 17, God promises to establish an everlasting covenant with Abram's descendants and promises to give the land as an everlasting possession. God commands him to walk before him blameless, to keep the covenant and circumcise. Oh, circumcise all males as a sign of the covenant in response Abraham circumcises all the males in his household. And all the men said, ooh. Hopefully I don't have to spell out what circumcision is. But can I help you to understand this would have been extremely difficult. They don't have some of the modern conveniences and medicines that we have today. Not only did he have to circumcise all of the males, but he had to circumcise himself. Or perhaps he maybe got somebody to help him. I don't know. (laughs) Have y'all thought about this for just a second? I know I'm bringing up maybe like something that you hadn't thought about, but this was very difficult. This was very difficult. Very difficult. I can't only imagine when I had my son. Never mind. Never mind. Never mind. But in all seriousness, he was willing to experience discomfort so the promises of God could be fulfilled in his life. He was willing to experience discomfort, momentary discomfort, by the way, so the promise of God could be fulfilled in his life. And watch this. The reason why God had all of the male children get circumcised, and this was something that God actually established in the Jewish camp, is because this would be a sign. This would be a distinction between God's people and the people of the world. It would set them apart. But what's interesting, nobody would know this except God. This wasn't a sign that was visible for everybody to see. I mean, they could, but I mean, I hope not. But this was a sign that was underneath, that was in private, but it was between them and God. 
You know what's powerful about that? You know what I'm, I'm reminded of with that scripture and this just comes to me? This is why Jesus said, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. This is why Jesus says that when you give, don't sound a trumpet. Don't try to make yourself known. But when you give, do it in secret and your heavenly father will reward you openly. He also says when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who stand before in the courts and then make these long pretentious prayers to be seen by men. But when you pray, go to your father in the secret place and the results will be evident in public. He's calling us to that. In chapter 18, God promises to give Sarah a son. In response, she laughs. What you talking about? (laughs) But you know what? We didn't cover this, but if you read in chapter 11, the Bible says that she still had faith. She had faith to conceive seed. So even though she may have laughed... And God in his grace overlooked that. Man, aren't you glad that God sometimes take into account our weaknesses? I would like to say as I stand before you today that I have always been faithful to what God has asked me to do. But you know what? I would be lying to you. There are times where I have not done what the Lord has asked me to do and it has cost me. But here is the difference. Do you learn from your mistakes? Because there is a difference between condemnation and conviction. Condemnation is the voice of the enemy that will come and say, you know what? You're defeated. Just stay down. Why are you even trying to live for God? Just stop. That's the voice of the enemy. But the voice of the Lord will say, there is a king on the inside of you. You are the head and not the tail. You are um, above and not below. A just man may fall seven times, but he rises back up again. Do I have any people in here that have made some mistakes, but you have seen the Lord still remain faithful? Even in your mistakes and in your setbacks, he is faithful. He is, he is good. And finally, in chapter 22, God promises to make Abram's descendants numerous and to bless all nations through them. God commands him to sacrifice his son, Isaac. Abraham obeys even though God provided a sacrifice. Now, let me establish this, and I'm bringing this in for a close. In that land during those times, it was not uncommon for some of these foreign nations to sacrifice their children. As gruesome And as atrocious as that sounds, it was not uncommon for these nations to sacrifice their children as worship unto their false deities. Now do you understand why God was so concerned with his children mingling with these other nations? It was not because they were of different races. It was because of some of their beliefs and some of their wicked practices that God was concerned about. I don't want these things influencing my children. So when Abraham was told to go and sacrifice his son, it's not like this command was foreign to him because this is what other deities demanded of their people, but God was making a distinction in that moment. I am not like the other gods that you have heard about. Even though I'm asking you to go and sacrifice your son, I'm not going to carry through with this because I am altogether different than those so-called gods, those false deities. I am God and beside me there is no other. He was establishing that. Point number two, when all hope is lost, make a decision to base your hope on God's promises. 
When all hope is lost, make a decision to base your hope on God's promises. When Abraham was physically beyond any hope of having a child, listen to this, you watching online and in Wolkit, when he was physically beyond the ability of being able to have a child, he based his hope on God's promises instead. He believed that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars of the heavens because the all-powerful God had promised it. Do you realize when we read that scripture in Romans, it says that he was not weak in the faith. He realized that his body was dead. He realized that the deadness of Sarah's womb, but he chose in that moment, I know my situation. I'm not ignoring the facts, but I'm choosing to not place my hope in that. I'm placing my hope in God's promises. This is why we teach what the Bible teaches about walking in faith, because that's what he did. And there's no other way to look at this. I'm sorry. There's no other way to look at this scripture and not say to yourself, he was not able to have a child. It was a dead, hopeless situation. But he said, you know what? I'm not focusing on what's going on in the physical realm. I'm focusing on what's going on in the spiritual realm because God is always working beneath the surface. But I must say this. If you read Hebrews, listen to this. The Bible says that all of these great men and women of faith, not all of them received the promises of God, but they embraced them from afar off as if they had already received them. Yes, Abraham did see his son come out of his wife's womb. He did see this. Sarah and Abraham received this. But they were not able to see the descendants that would follow. Do you want to know who are those descendants? You and I. When you look all over the world at all believers that have trusted in Christ, this is why Abraham is regarded as the father of the faith. But do you know he could not physically see what's going on here at Faith Church? But he embraced it from afar off as if he did see it. You know what, Lord? I'm standing in faith. This is the diagnosis that has been given, but this is what your word says. Yes, I have heard things. I have talked to people who have experienced things, and I don't want to make light of that. But is my faith based on the experiences of others or my own experience, or is it based on the word of God? I'm called to pray and leave the results up to God. Lord, you said in your word that healing is the children's bread. Lord, you said in your word that you were wounded for our transgressions. You were bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon you. And by your stripes, we are healed. I believe that. But you know what? It's in your hands, God. I'm putting all of my faith and my trust in you. Are you with me? I always wondered why God would you wait till Abram and Sarah were well advanced in years? God, couldn't you have just, you know, gotten them pregnant when they were a little younger? Like maybe like Mary, like when they were 13, 14 years old, you know, they did have children like at that young of age. And by the way, as a youth pastor, it would, it would probably do us good if we went back to those times. That's a whole nother, like that's a whole nother sermon for purity's sake. Um, But why did you wait till they were well advanced in years? 
And I think about this. Remember Jesus' disciples, why was this man born blind? Was it because his parents sinned or because he sinned? Jesus said, no. It was so that the glory of God could be revealed through his life. Why do we sit here and say every Sunday with Jesus you were destined to win if we don't believe in God? All things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. In life, in death, in every situation. You may have lost a loved one here in this place, but may I submit to you, if they were a believer in the Lord and they went out of this earth believing in God, praising God, even in the midst of what they were going through, the devil did not win. I'm sorry. The devil did not win. And this is why he did not win. Because the devil is not after your car. The devil is not after your finances. The devil is not after your body. The devil is not after your past or your future. The devil is after your worship. And when you make a decision to worship God, come hell or high water, I've made a decision. I'm going to worship you, God. Even through this trial, you confuse the devil and he never wins. Never. Never. Even in death, he never wins because the Bible says to live is Christ and to die is gain. That you know what? If I were to die, that I would be present with the Lord. There's no purgatory. There's no waiting place to live is Christ and to die is gain. In every situation, we win. We win. One last thing. Through every trial that we face, the promise of God is available. However, will we take him at his word? Will we live in obedience based on our belief? James 2.19 says, you believe that there is one God. You do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. You mean to tell me that the demons believe in God? Yes, they do. The word of God says it. But what sets you apart from demons? Your love and your devotion unto the Lord. I'm not just saying that I believe in God, but Lord, I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my finances. I'm giving you this body. I'm giving you my marriage. I'm giving you my children. I'm giving you my future. It's not about my plans. It's about what you want with my life, God. Take control. I lay it at your feet. You are in control. I need you. Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5 declares, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Last but not least, and going to stand to your feet. Belief in God produces concluding moments in our life. Did you hear me? Belief in God produces concluding moments in our life. Have you ever sat up? Maybe late at night or throughout the day, maybe you're outside on the lawn chair and you're thinking about life, thinking about what's going to happen in the next year, maybe the next week. Maybe you're contemplating what's going on in your family, what's going on in your finances, what's going on in your health. And you just come to this place where you just conclude, God, if you were there for me then, I know that you will be here for me now. As I walk through this trial, I know that I'm not walking through this alone. As I have all of these competing arguments that are constantly ringing in my ear, all the things that I'm hearing on social media, that I'm hearing on the news, that I'm hearing in various conversations with different people, God, your word has kept me. And I'm going back to your word. I'm going back to the foundation. Let me remind you of this scripture one more time. Hebrews eleven seventeen 17 through 19. This is our declaration. By faith, 
when he was tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises offered up his only begotten son, of whom it was said, in Isaac your seed shall be called, concluding that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead, from which he also received him in a figurative sense. So Abraham literally said, guys, if I receive this child, when my body and Sarah's body was as good as dead, if God brought this child out of that situation, even if this child has to be sacrificed, I know that God can raise him again. But what's powerful about this is Abraham tapped into something that we can experience now. Because the Bible says in Romans 10, 9, that if you confess Jesus as Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It all starts with belief. Whether it was Abraham allowing it to be accounted unto him for righteousness or for us in the New Testament, when we place our belief in God, he is faithful to save us. For those of you watching online, particularly our Wilkett campus, go on and close out as you see fit. But for those of you here, I want to ask you a simple question. Do you believe in God? Do you believe in his promises? Some of you may say, Pastor Brandon, to be honest with you, I'm struggling right now to discover what his promises are. Things are so cloudy. There's so much confusion. God is not the author of confusion. If you would just submit yourself to the Lord and say, God, show me. Lord, I'm open. I want you. Show me the truth. He will show it to you. Is there somebody here? You would say, Pastor Brandon, I'm a sinner. I have fallen short of the righteous standard of God. I have broken the commandments of God, but I believe that Jesus took my place, that he died on the cross for my sins. And I want to make him the Lord and Savior of my life. Is there somebody here you want to make Jesus the Lord and Savior of your life? For those watching online, anybody watching, raise your hand. I want to lead you in a prayer to receive Jesus. You have him at belief. When you say, I do, God rushes in. The Holy Spirit comes to live on the inside of you. Not saying everything will be peaches and cream. But you know what? You have a God that will be with you and in you through every trial. If that's you, do you want to receive the Lord? Anyone here? For the benefit of those who may be watching online that I don't know, let's pray. Father, everyone repeat this prayer after me. Say, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life and become my Lord and my Savior. I confess that I am a sinner in need of your grace. I surrender my life to you now, and I ask that you take control. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. If somebody gave their life to Christ watching online, make sure to let us know. Comment, let us know so that we can reach out to you. You guys have a wonderful week. It was a pleasure being with you, and we'll see you again soon. God bless you guys.